Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. And hey, a couple quick things of business before I introduce you to my new friend. Uh, I am getting ready to celebrate episode 100. This will be, I believe, episode 97. And here's what I want to do in order to celebrate 100 episodes. I want to give away a $100 gift certificate to either, you have your choice between Barnes & Noble or Audible. I know some of you prefer uh, your books on Kindle or hard copy. Some of you prefer listening to audiobooks. And so you can choose which one. But here's what I need you to do. First of all, I need you to subscribe to the podcast and you can listen to it pretty much anywhere that you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, we're on Amazon Music or Podbean, which is my host site. So I need you to subscribe to the podcast and then share uh, the podcast. You can share an episode of it or the podcast, just the podcast link um, and make sure you tag me in it. So you can tag me on Instagram uh, or Facebook, but I have a new Facebook page because uh, my other one got hacked and I can't get back in. So you'll have to, I'll put a link in the show notes to my new Facebook page and you can friend me there and then you can tag me in it. Um, I'll also put a link to the new Facebook podcast page in the show notes or you can tag me on Instagram. So all that'll be in the show notes. The other thing you can do is share it, take a screenshot and send me that in an email or DM. So you have all the way through to episode 100. I would like to be able to uh, draw a name before episode 100 posts so that I can announce the winner. That would be great. Otherwise, we'll, I'll do something for episode 100 and then draw a name right after it. So thank you for following me uh, on this journey and joining me along the way. This is also the last in the neurodivergent series, at least for a while. Uh, I may come back, circle around, and interview some others, but this is going to be the end of this series. And so today I'm introducing you to Pastor Carrie Roberts. Uh, She's a pastor in Oklahoma, and she is dyslexic. And so we talk about her story of getting diagnosed as an adult and answering that call uh, in light of her neurodivergence. And she also has a podcast herself called The Dyslexic Pastor. And so you will find that in the show notes. I would love it if you would go listen to, if nothing else, listen to the first couple of episodes. She shares her story in this episode, but go to her podcast in more detail. And it's it's just a beautiful reminder of God's goodness, grace, and mercy. I know you will be encouraged by her story, and maybe you'll be challenged too a little bit. So enjoy the episode. We've been trying to tell better stories about women and clergy and the church because we really need to tell better stories. Instead of just complaining about it, what if we flood the airwaves with something different? All right. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. And you're in Oklahoma, right? Right. Where are you in Oklahoma? 
in a small town called Paul's Valley, Oklahoma. So it's about 45 minutes from Norman, Oklahoma, which is usually popular with the OU Sooners. Yeah. Did you grow up there? How long have you been there? I actually grew up in even a smaller town. I grew up in Stratford, Oklahoma. There's not even a stoplight there. Oh. And so I grew up with my grandparents. I kind of had a rough childhood. My mom died when I was five in a house fire. My mom's parents took us in and I had a lot of anger issues as a child. And when I was in the sixth grade, I broke a, a girl's finger, another sixth grader's finger. And instead of calling the police, that family took me to church in Paul's Valley in the next town over. And that's, I ended up meeting my husband there and um, getting married and living in Paul's Valley. And that's also how I like ended up being like knowing the church. It's a very yeah. crazy story. Um, I go and do a bunch of speaking and tell my story because, I mean, I love my story so much just because it reflects how important children's church and, and youth group is. Her mom, you know, told her to leave me alone. And she was only to be able to say, you know, I think she needs Jesus. And this is like what she's learned in the church is like to reflect his love. And so a 12-year-old had to tell her own mom, like, maybe we should show her Jesus. And um, they're my kids' godparents. They actually attend the church that I work at. Very cool story. And it's crazy because now at times I don't, I don't know if that would happen with uh, social media and things like that. She truly had to go and get like the metal thing on her finger and have it fixed. It was broken, um, but it didn't stop them from showing me Jesus. That's an incredible act of love. And I think you're right, right? That as Christians today, I, I do wonder, I mean, will we stop? Would we stop and say, man, they just need Jesus? Or will we just post, man, our, our rage at this child, you know, that's so broken. And so you weren't in the fire then with your mom? I was. So our whole, our house caught on fire. Me, my older sister, my dad, and my younger brother, and my mom were all in there. Um, I don't remember much about it. I just know my, my older sister took me out and we went into the neighbor's house and my brother who was two and my mom was 28 at the time, they died of smoke inhalation and my father was arrested for trying to murder all of us. And so he like gave up all his rights to me and my sister and we went and lived with my mom's parents. And then um, my sister became a drug addict and beat me quite a bit and that's kind of why I ended up having just a lot of anger issues and took those out on Ashley which is the girl's name yeah I don't my sister I'm is still struggles with a drug addiction and I mean and that family is still a huge part of my family like I said but and then I lived with my grandparents until I was in high school and they passed away a couple of years after I got married so when did you learn that you were dyslexic? So I actually didn't get tested until I was 30 years old, but I, of course, struggled my whole life in school. And like I said, such a small town, not a lot of education on dyslexia. In fact, so much is changing now, especially in the state of Oklahoma with how they teach different learning disabilities. But back then, things like that were just classified as slow, you know, and a lot of mine was just classified as like laziness um, in my first couple of years of school, 
they just passed me on because my mom had died and like the whole town knew my story but then it just got worse and worse as I got older and I just sat out in the hall a lot but um I got saved when I was around 17 years old and I felt the call to be a pastor then but I just kind of put it away because of my learning disability I mean the only way I got through high school was from context clues and cheating you know I mean I still to this day I can't learn a new word because I can't sound things out and so I have to use context clues to figure out what the word is but it wasn't until I was about my late 20s I really started just feeling God really be like hey I've kind of let you like live this life you've gotten married had kids I called you to be a pastor. I called you to be in the ministry. And I was on Pinterest one day pinning stuff about dyslexia. And I happened to just be like Pinterest friends with my PA at my local doctor's office. And we were friends. And she was like, hey, do you think one of your sons is dyslexic? And I was like, no, I actually think I am. And her husband had just been tested by someone. And she's like, let me give you her number. And so I saved up my money because it was like $400, like our insurance didn't pay for it. And I got tested and found out that I wasn't just dyslexic, but severely dyslexic. And then I, that lady was a psychologist. I ended up doing a couple of rounds of some therapy and she was like, I can get you accommodations. Like I, this whole new world of like, that there was actually help for people that had learning disabilities that I did not know of. And so that's kind of how the process started. And I started going to school and I am 36 now and just did all six years to be ordained. My husband is also dyslexic. So some of that, some of the stuff that you resonate with, you know, he was, he was just a good kid. And so they just kind of passed him and passed him. And it wasn't until ninth grade that they finally called and called home and said, do you know your son cannot read or write? And, you know, the, the clues were there. No, we're uh, a bigger city. So we had, you know, some of those resources, but even still, you know, this was the late eighties, you know, they still didn't really know a whole lot about, they didn't really understand it. So a little bit of research that we I've been doing just for this series talks about, I guess there's several different aspects of dyslexia. So you can have multiple versions of it Um, yeah there's more they have really fancy names and I can't say them but some of them just like are about like numbers and letters some of them have a lot to do with like math but mine is like whatever enters like the front of my brain by the time it goes to the back to come back to the front for me to say it out loud it just gets caught up in all of that and so it doesn't come out very clearly which is why I can't really like learn how to read a new word um, I just can't sound things out. Um, I know there's computer texts, computer software, stuff like that to help people with reading stuff like that. So I went through one of the most popular ones back when I first found out that I was dyslexic was called Dragon Dictation. And you could put it on your computer. It was pretty expensive. A lot of it, it had a lot of like bugs and flaws to it. And so instead of getting, I researched a whole bunch before I did anything. And one thing that I came across was someone had said, I wish somebody 
like their Apple phone dictated things, you know, people use speech to text when they're driving and stuff. And they wanted that to be as simple as for them to use when they're writing papers. Well, an Apple Mac, any Apple product automatically comes with that in, in their software. You don't have to buy something else. So I bought, a, I bought an Apple computer like right away before I started school. So all my Apple products have been the number one thing that's helped me do everything. They helped me do my job. They helped me get through six years of school. Kudos to Steve Jobs, which is also dyslexic. That feature is not even for that. It's really put in there for like, so people could text and drive and do other things instead of having to look at but it really makes a world of difference, especially being able to highlight something and have it read to me is a huge deal. Oh, yeah. Have it read to you. Uh, that's how my husband does almost all of his. I mean, the version app, I mean, is um, that's almost all of it is he just listens, listens to the audio Bible. Yeah, because um, reading just take reading, reading three verses takes so much more energy and time and then you don't really get anything out of it where he can have somebody oh, yeah. read it yeah read it to him and then he's like oh okay and I want to talk about because there's kind of this idea of dyslexics kind of really see things in 3D so I don't know if you experience that or how you experience it if you want to talk about that so I've never really thought of it as like in 3D but what I've get a lot of compliments on my preaching because when I'm preaching I see it in my head when I'm writing the sermon. I see it in my head when I'm saying it out loud. And so I've had people come up to me and be like, you made me feel like we were there, you know? And so I think that's that, that's that 3D of how when something's being read to me or when I'm telling someone about it, it's like, I'm right there. I can like touch it, you know? And I think that's what gives us, um, a lot of dyslexic people are really good public speakers because they, it's like, they're not, there's not even a crowd in front of them. They're in the part of like, whatever they're talking about. Yeah. Like you actually visualize it. So this for me also creates a crazy ability to remember stuff, um, which my husband doesn't like because he almost can never win a fight. Cause I'm like, you know, we were driving down the interstate and like, I can see it in my mind. I'm like, we were at mile marker 101. You were wearing that red shirt. And that's when you told me about this dinner, you know, or whatever that he couldn't remember. Um, I have friends that call me and they're like, what did I eat two weeks ago at the Thai restaurant? And then I can envision like us being there. And then I'm like, oh, it was the pad Thai. And that is a great gift. And I think that like, that's, part of the reason that I'm doing this series of we talk about neurodivergent as oftentimes as a handicap because we do need resources and and we need it helps but there's also so much that as neurodivergents that we bring to the table that other that neurotypicals just don't bring you know and that ability to be able to uh, visualize the whole thing and, and where you're standing and kind of you know 3d looking down at the whole yeah. situation um well, anyway, that well, one of the questions I was going to ask you is how does it present in you? But you, you kind of answered some of that. Did, did any of your kids, did your kids inherit any of your dyslexia? Both of them. I have two boys, uh, 12 and 10 year old, and they both have it. My oldest, not as much as my younger one seems to have it, but they both are already, they've been on IEPs. 
And I mean, that's a whole nother story. I fight really hard for them not to be in a special ed room, but for them to just have accommodations that can help them um, just be supported in their classroom. Well, I think that is important. Um, if, if we can be together, I think it benefits uh, not just the person who has the IEP, but also the, the students who don't, right? Because right. we, we start to realize that, you know, not everybody is like us. And I think that's important to see. We all have our own resources that we need, whether we're neurodivergent or neurotypical. You just completed uh, all of your requirements for ordination and you just got ordained Yeah, a few weeks ago. Now that you're kind of on the other side, I mean, it's only been three weeks, but you know what I mean. Um, now that you're kind of on the other side of this, first of all, let's talk about this. You started your podcast. When did you start your podcast? I think it was probably about four months into the pandemic. We just talk about what was the launching, like what was it that kind of pushed you over the edge saying, I need to do this. I need to start a podcast and I guess why a podcast and then we just talk about like the content and stuff like that that you share. Yeah. One of the things that got me into the podcast thing, I mean, I, so we're in the pandemic, no one's doing anything and I'm a seven. I'm very extroverted. I love to talk. And then I was seeing all this stuff online about how people just felt like because they had a learning disability that church wasn't for them or Jesus wasn't for them. They couldn't comprehend this. They couldn't comprehend that. And I just wanted to be able to relate somehow that we weren't, they weren't alone because when you have a disability, I mean, it doesn't take much to make you feel like you're alone. And I wanted to create some kind of community out there. I also am a, huge believer in just because I have a disability and a learning disability that I can still be a life learner and I can still be educated every day. And I, I think a lot of that just comes from like a lot of shame that I always just felt like I would never be anything because of the way teachers treated me. And I don't want other people to feel that way. So I want people to be able to listen to the podcast and know that there are other dyslexic people out there that are life learners that are moving, you know, making great things happen in life. And then I love Jesus. So there has to be, I just can't usually talk very long without relating to Jesus. And so I just called it dyslexic pastor because that's who I am. And Jesus is always going to come up in the conversation. And one of the cool things is I've had some people comment on the podcast and they were like, I was here for the dyslexic content but I'm loving the Jesus content as well so that was kind of my it's just kind of like a mashup of the two things that really make me oh that's awesome I love that uh I love that you're attracting people who are dyslexic but not necessarily people of faith um I mean what a great way to for faith to be practical right like like Jesus is for is literally is for everybody right (laughs) yeah and we've we've Oh man, I mean, as much as I love, you know, the Reformation and um, I mean, I'm, I am an uh, avid reader, as much as I love all of that, you've also, the last 500 years really restricted 
who can be a follower of Jesus? Because we're like, no, our spiritual disciplines have to look like X, Y, and Z. And yeah. you have to be able to whatever, read a passage, read, or read the Bible through in a year and, and, and memorize verses and those kind of things. And if you struggle with any kind of a neurodivergent or learning disability, uh, you know, all of a sudden it's like Jesus isn't for you. Yeah. So will you talk about your spiritual disciplines for you, like how, how do you connect with God? What kind of spiritual disciplines do you use uh, so that people who, because I think that there's people who are listening to this podcast who, who, are, who are dyslexic, I know that there are, um, and then, or just neurodivergent in general, but then there's some who just struggle with some of the more traditional um, spiritual disciplines. So maybe if you talk about just some of the ways that you connect it might help them. Yeah, I would definitely say mine are not your your typical um, setting down and doing a bunch of quiet reading, you know, just because I struggle with reading and I also struggle with like quietness. I'm sure I have some ADD in there as well. I, I treat it the same as like I'm I have ran a couple of half marathons and I treat it the same as like when you work out, you never skip two days in a row. So my spiritual discipline is always ideally every day, but if I skip a day, I'm definitely not skipping the the next day. And then a lot of my spiritual discipline just comes from me just coming to God and being like, what's next? Like just being open to the day, the, um, the ability to be able to say I'm here because I I did struggle quite a bit with like being called as a pastor and not being able to read scripture. That was very aggravating for me at first. And now I put that in my spiritual discipline of being able to say, let me just open these scriptures. Let me just listen to someone read the Bible to me and be able to have an open mind of like, what is next, even though I have a learning disability. Um, And I'm always just so grateful and for the opportunities that I've had And I'm always just asking the Lord, you know, don't let me think that like, because I can't read, I can't do this, Um, whatever he's asking of me or whatever the next chapter is. And I love doing that every day. And a lot of times it doesn't happen every day. But like I said, I try not to skip two days. And then um, I feel like a lot of some of my spiritual discipline is just actually just pacing around in my house, listening to scripture And just really like soaking in, especially like when we're in, like right now we're still in, if you do the ordinary time and stuff, like we're still in Easter. And so I just love being able to grasp the time frame that we're in, in the liturgy calendar. So that's probably um, my spiritual discipline. I've gotten like backlash from people that it's not a, you know, your legs crossed and like a meditation thing. But I have yet to really read a lot in the Bible that says that we're supposed to be like super quiet and, and, and um, you're just supposed to spend time with Christ. And I think that that looks like however you can do it physically and mentally. Absolutely. I think about the story of the road to Emmaus, right? And Jesus is walking with these two disciples and they're talking and chatting and they're talking about scripture and, and they're having this whole conversation on the way you know, from one place to the next until they get to their house. Um, that's, you know, that's prayer 
if we understand, you know, that we're talking with, you know, talking to God and, you know, they were doing it as they walked along the road and as they sat at their table and broke bread together. And yeah. Yeah. So for those of us who man, you know, meditation works for us, I think that you need to lean into it, but I also, you know, like you said, Jesus just, Jesus wants us to come to him. Uh, he doesn't really care what, what way we come as long as we're, as we're there and we meet him. And you talked about sharing Jesus content on your podcast. So talk about what kind of pod, like what kind of content do you share? Is it specifically dyslexic stuff? Is, is it talking about your journey as a pastor? Like what kind of things do you talk about on your podcast? In the first couple of episodes, I did a lot of talking about my journey as a pastor and how hard it's been. You know, the struggle is real of like, you know, what takes people 15 minutes takes me two hours. And that includes writing a sermon or, or, you know, just getting that dialogue. But one of the things I think that I lead with is however, I'll read a scripture. And a lot of times I'll talk about how, like, this can be hard to read if you're, if, you know, you're struggling with the word, I, I promote the message. Um, Eugene Peterson, I mean, just, I just feel like he just brings it in for, I'm like, if you read a scripture and you're like, I don't, I don't know what this is trying to say to me. Like I just preached over, um, Jesus and going into the temple and celebrating in the wintertime. And Eugene Peterson is like, it was Hanukkah. And you're like, Oh, (laughs) so I promote that a lot. And i that's a lot of how I do some of the, the scriptures on there is reading the, the message and a scripture. But a lot of times it just goes into how we need to like, I spent a lot of time talking about putting the, that time frame for Jesus. If we put a time frame out for life learning, we can put a time frame in for spending time with Jesus as well. And a lot of times I get all like worked up on the podcast too. And it ends up just being, my friends are always like, your voice changes when you start talking about Jesus, um, just because you don't know who you're talking to. I just remember how I felt when I didn't know Jesus, how lonely I felt when, when the dyslexia really just like makes me feel like maybe I can't be a follower of Jesus. And so I go into a pretty passionate of like, he really loves you, whether you can read his words or not, like there is a way to connect with him. So a lot of times I end on these long, like desperate, just give him a chance. Um, You don't have to have a degree in theology. I don't have a degree in theology. You know, I, I don't think that I'll ever go back and get my master's and have any of that because I'm like, he meets you where you are, you know? there's no mistakes made. Like we're out here with dyslexia and ADD and autism and he meets those people where they're at. I love that you say that about, you you know, your voice changes. Um, My husband and I are both adult converts. We didn't grow up in the church and he had a pretty, his dad was an alcoholic, had a pretty abusive background. My parents divorced when I was early, you know, when I was young. And I talk about how there was this time where I, I did not know God. And then like one day, all of a sudden I did know God and just how radical, like our lives are like split in half. Like just, there's just like, I just remember not knowing him and all the stuff I experienced and, 
And then all of a sudden he was part of my life. I think, so I think it's important for people like you and me to share those stories because, well, one, I mean, we're three generations out of now of people not being really raised with any kind of faith. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the norm versus the, you know, we, if you were raised in the church now, you're the anomaly and that Jesus still makes a difference. Jesus, that our, our faith in Christ still, like I think about John Wesley, you know, when he was preaching and, you know, people showed up basically to find out, is this Jesus thing really real? You know, is this Jesus, does it, does he really change people and change people's lives and really bring peace and hope? You know, maybe if you grew up with it all your life, I, I hope that they have the, the same appreciation, but I feel like those of us who have this radical, once I was like this and now I'm like that, yeah. I can say, I know what it was like to try to do it without him. And it was pretty crappy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, that's what I preached on Sunday was the good shepherd. And sometimes we idolize other people for that shepherd or even ourselves and think that we can do it on our own um, without them, just because we have all these things lined up, but really we can't. And it's so much better with him than without him. I've I've meant to ask you what's your role there at your church? We started. I mean, I'm the youth pastor, and then I recently so um, our Nazarene church does like districts, and I recently got voted for the Nazarene Youth International President. So I just became quite a bit busier. Well, that's exciting. You're the new NYI president. Congratulations on that. That's a big task, but uh, man, all these youth are going to get to see possibilities you know maybe see somebody like them yeah I'm trying really hard to get the schools that come and like they want to come to our camps and stuff and promote their college to say something about the fact that those those all those colleges have accommodations representatives but they get up there and they do they just talk about sports and coffee and just like all these things that they think kids want to hear And I'm like, statistics show that one out of three people have a learning disability. You don't even have to like list all the things that the school does. You just have to say, if you're someone that already has accommodations or you have like a learning disability or whatever, we have information on that. People that have learning disabilities want education as well. So that's kind of really one of my one goals is being the president is really trying to push some information there because I'm like not everybody has been playing you know softball and basketball and football for five years right they're barely getting by but with help from a university they could go to school as well and get a degree yeah that's so true knowing that you have those those resources are is important especially for answering the call I think it's important for people to say hey I use this resource and it's helped me and it doesn't make you less of a pastor because you right. need this resource. We talk about advice then for people who are, who feel like they have a call because you said you felt like you had a call on your life. Well, actually, first of all, talk about that. What did it sound like to you when you said you were about 17, you felt like you had a call in your life. What did that look like for God to come to you? And then what did it take to get you to the point where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. Yeah. So I was at, um, a Nazarene youth event called extravaganza 
that's in the southwest part of Oklahoma. And this lady was telling this is it was the first time that I ever really felt that I heard somebody talk about how Jesus like wants me as a child, like God wants me. Um, I think I was still very much in the brimstone and fire part of people preaching. And I even remember as a teenager, like people just be like, you need to come to the altar because you don't want to go to hell and you don't want to burn. And I lived such a crazy life that I thought like, I, I already live in hell. Like you're not going to get me to come down there and like commit to this because of that. And so I, and it was a woman preacher that was speaking. And I remember just really feeling like a full on connection with Jesus and giving my life up. And I remember here, you know, just hearing or feeling just like, you're going to stand on the stage and you're going to tell people about this mercy and grace that you've experienced from Ashley and just their family and stuff. And this particular event that we went to, you people went with like, they either played basketball, they played the, like a musical instrument. And I would write um, monologues, like they're called spoken words now. <laughs> Back then they were called monologues. And I wrote one and I performed it and you would move on in, in levels. And every year of the last night, they would pick one person from each district that did a really good job and they performed on the stage. And my monologue got picked the very next day after I got saved. So in less than 24 hours, I stood on a stage and did a monologue that was about grace and mercy. And so it was very clear to me that it was like, this is, you know, I'm just called to be a pastor. And for a little bit in my high school life, I did do speaking and preaching any place that would let me. Um, but then things got really hard in my home life with my sister and I just shut all that down and I ended up getting married and having kids. And then it would be years later that I felt that call again and then stumbled upon getting tested. You got tested right around the time you were sensing God calling you again. Like Right. I was working as a full-time activities director and social worker in a assisted living and I really felt God pressing on me to quit my job and, you know, to go after this call. And I didn't really want to quit just because no one knew that I even had a learning disability in the job. Like I had been able to do such a good job at hiding it. I, that was just like, to me, I would argue with God and be like, look, I have my own office. I don't work holidays. I work Monday through Friday. Uh, I have really good benefits here it's like the perfect job and nobody even knows that I'm dyslexic, but you know how it is. He just doesn't. I always say that the call is like a coal that's just constantly burning once it's been lit and doesn't go out and just has, it just keeps growing. And I really was going to just, once I got tested, I was not going to pursue any of it. Cause I've almost felt like, Oh, well, this is my excuse. I truly am dyslexic and no one's going to want to learn scripture from someone that can't read and then all those things fell in place for me to get for the just um the therapist was just like no she was like I can hook you up with with commendations I can help you find a school that goes with like your you know my denomination and so it, it practically just all like super fell in place that's God uh, and it was I mean it was really hard the whole six years of being in school I got my bachelor's degree at Mid-America Christian University here in Moore, Oklahoma. 
and then finish the rest of the classes that I need to be ordained at Nazarene Bible College. And it was a constant, whether I would have teachers that would not accept my accommodations and I would have to turn them in or just, you know, some of the books were so hard to read. I mean, it was just, like I said, things that take regular people 15 minutes take me two hours to do. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what normally takes people 15 minutes takes, takes you so much longer. So yeah. much. And it's so it's easy to get discouraged. Other people who find themselves in a similar situation, they know they have a learning disability, but they really have this call on their life and it's easy to get discouraged. So what advice would you have for them in answering the call and pursuing this? My main advice would definitely just be don't keep it a secret. I definitely try to keep it a secret. And I, I bared that weight of trying to do all these things somewhat alone. And um, I was still attending therapy the whole time I went to school. And she was like, there are people out there that want to help you. Like, for instance, my best friend that I broke the finger, she has her master's in math that I ended up telling her I've enrolled in college. And I guess there's just so much shame of when you know that you get the feeling that you're not going to do as good as some other people have done in college. You don't want to tell them that you're attending college. She was so proud and so happy for me and she helped me. And I, and then I would find stumble onto other people. I ended up making this friend at a fall retreat that I went and spoke at that has her master's in English. And so she started correcting my papers. So I would definitely just be open for any kind of help that people would be willing to give. I know, I mean, from the bottom of my heart, I know how scary it is to email someone a paper that you wrote that you know is going to be hard for someone to read because it's all jambled up with your dyslexic words. But I'm, I just feel like when God calls you to do something, he's not setting you up for failure. So there's all sorts of stuff out there. I mean, like I said, any Apple product that I've ever purchased was always worth the money. Um, there was a lot of help in that. When you're talking about scripture, there's tons of websites, you know, the blue letter Bible where you type in a scripture and it gives you 10 different versions, especially the message helps you be able to learn. You can click on things and be like, oh, this word actually means this. And then before you know it, you're actually understanding all these scriptures that you felt were just so far away. So my main advice would just be ask for help. You're right, though, that keeping it a secret is nothing else. I mean, you do you get lab- labeled, you know, whatever lazy, um, you know, like you've talked about. and. I mean, the reality is, you know, you're very smart. Um, You know, my husband's very smart. Like there's nothing he can't fix. I mean, he looks at something, he can take it apart, fix it, put it together without having any instructions or whatever. And and so the same thing with with you and with others who have a call to ministry, man, there's things that, that you see and understand that others just can't. And the kingdom is missing, you know, there's missing holes, uh, I think, in the kingdom because, you know, people with dyslexia aren't answering the call. Like you said about Steve Jobs, what if Steve Jobs had said, oh, I'm not going to add that feature. Yeah. One of the things that I say at the end of my podcast is I say, uh, keep moving forward. I actually have it tattooed to my ribs. Um, That was something that Walt Disney used to tell his employees. He was dyslexic as well. And he wanted them to fail because the only way that you can keep moving forward is to fail and to learn. And that's such a hard concept in our in our time of the hustle that we live in these days. 
but we truly have to fail to be able to learn how to succeed. And we see that in Steve Jobs and tons of other people. And I've totally failed all sorts of things. I mean, it's just, we just get up and learn from it because at the end of my life, I just want to be able to say, I went after the call that, that Christ laid on my heart. That's good. Keep moving forward. Anything else you want to share? It's come to your mind or something that you had that you wanted to share that maybe I didn't ask you about. I think one of the things that I might share is just do a lot of research. You really have no idea. Once I started looking up things about dyslexia and learning disabilities, I was shocked on how many books were out there, how many people were just out there wanting to educate other people. And there's some beautiful like fiction books that are out there that have just beautiful stories that actually end up being like somewhat true of how people have just struggled their whole life. Yeah, you're just not alone. When you look up all that stuff and see that there are tons of people that are out there, just, uh, I interviewed a guy that wrote a book that was called I Can't Read. And he based his whole life on thinking that he was stupid until somebody told him, you just are dyslexic. (laughs) That would be, just do the research, get out there and type dyslexia, learning disabilities in your search engine and go because there's a whole world out there that can really help educate you or make you feel not alone. Well, I'll definitely include the I can't read in the show notes, but if there's um, one or two resource books that you've used that has been really helpful to you, will you just shoot me an email and I'll include that in the show notes? Yeah. yeah. All right. And also, obviously, I will include your podcast in the show notes too, so people can find you 